Welcome back to another Alaska MEC podcast. I'm your host, Strategic Communications Chairman, Captain David Campbell. As you are probably aware, your Alaska MEC recently told the company that we are ready to begin negotiations for our next contract. Part of the preparation to negotiate has been to change the negotiating table team. As such, we currently have new members of the negotiating committee, and today I asked the negotiating committee chairman, Chris Gruner, to join me in the studio. Will McQuillan, our MEC chairman, also joined us for a discussion about what to expect in the upcoming negotiation. A point of particular interest in our conversation was the fact that we will be negotiating under Section 6 of the Railway Labor Act, which has no requirement to enter into arbitration. Chris, Will, thank you for coming in to talk to us today. Chris, before we jump into talking about negotiations, can you tell us what influenced you in your decision to become a pilot in the first place? Um, You know, when you're growing up, you're looking around you to see what kinds of things you might want to do with your life, and I had thrown around a bunch of ideas. But uh, my dad was a fighter pilot, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to go down that road, but I do remember uh, one day when I was in high school and he was coming back from a deployment and he ended up leading uh, his entire squadron coming back up so it was uh, probably about 15 12 to 15 planes mm-hmm. he was out in front and I saw him you know break right over the uh, runway circle back around and then land and I was just thinking to myself that what better job is there than to be uh, manipulating a jet every day and you know going out and doing something like that that you love and uh, I don't think there are many people that get an opportunity to do something like that so that's the road I end up going down yeah that's cool it's I, I think that's one of the things that draws a lot of people that not everybody can do this job and and being able to sort of get behind the curtain and see what it's like and actually do it is really rewarding yeah, and there's a lot of responsibility with it as well. And so, uh, you know, it's an exciting job, but at the same time, it's great. And no matter what you're doing in aviation, you have an opportunity to take care of people. So whether you're in the military and you're fighting to defend your freedom, you know, or uh, you're in the airline industry and getting people safely from place to place, I think it's a big responsibility. And it's something that, uh, you know, I, like a lot of us, take seriously. So that's interesting comment you made about, it sounds like what drew you into the military was helping people, right? Yeah, it was. And actually, that's a big reason why I am in the position I'm in right now. Well, that's as you were saying that, that's exactly what I was thinking about. That that sounds similar. And I and it, it sort of begs the question, especially because we have a pretty nice job flying jet airplanes, why a sane person would come in and do these jobs. And so talk about that a little bit. What, what brought you into these offices? Yeah, it certainly wasn't to improve my quality of life because, you know, I have some young kids at home and that gave me a lot of pause when I was trying to decide if uh, this is a route I wanted to go down. But uh, initially when I showed up at Alaska Airlines, I wanted to make sure that I had an opportunity to help others in the pilot group. And that's how I started out in contract compliance, just helping to educate people to uh, understand what the parameters on their work rules were so they could then uh, understand how to balance their work with their quality of life and about a year ago a little over a year ago now I interviewed for the negotiating committee and um, 
it was the same idea there. I was getting a little frustrated, honestly, with how uh, the arbitration went during the JCBA. And uh, frankly, management was working a little too hard to maintain their labor arbitrage Mm -hmm. and uh, not focused enough on improving our quality of life and addressing our issues, Uh, especially when we're looking at the rest of the industry and seeing how they've continued to make gains. So, uh, you know, you could either make the decision to uh, stay somewhere and just complain or you could, uh, you know, try to do your best to make it better. And I think we have an opportunity here to make it better. And I just wanted to do my part to be uh, a piece of that or to help out with that process. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're stepped up. How old are those kids you mentioned now? Yeah, my boys are, uh, they're 11 and 9 now. 11 and 9? Yep. So hopefully they won't be too much older when we have a contract. (laughs) Yeah, one could hope. But, um, you know, I I do spend a lot of time making sure I maintain that work-life balance. I think that's important. It makes you more productive when you are in the office. And at the same time, it's really important to take care of those around you and uh, make sure that, you know, you you put a lot into this, but at the end of the day, the people you love around you are the ones that matter, right? Yeah. What are some of the things you do to keep that work balance? Yeah, so to maintain my uh, work-life balance, I like to block off time when I can and try not to let work intrude on, you know, the time I'm spending with those I care about. So just being intentional about the time I have and how I spend it. You mentioned as you were on the contract compliance team, you saw a need to help out with negotiations and that brought you in here initially. Now that you're here, can you talk about your philosophy of of kind of your role in this whole process? Yeah, it's really important for me that we do this from the bottom up. And so when I look at what I'm doing, my job is really just to organize all the uh, great ideas of people around me into action. So uh, that really starts with the pilots, absolutely, first and foremost. So uh, we have a survey coming out here in May. We want to make sure that we get uh, their input and uh, pass that along to the representatives. There's other ways to do that. You can also call your representative directly so that they could uh, then advocate on your behalf. Later on in the process, we'll have uh, polls also to further refine the input that we're getting from the pilots. And then we're going to gather all that. And we're not doing this just in a vacuum, you know, on the negotiating committee. We're taking uh, advice and input from the scheduling committee, you know, the scope chairman, uh, grievance, bringing everybody into the process, getting all those experts involved, and then really just pulling them together again to uh, advocate on your behalf as we uh, sit down at the table. All right. Not everyone is clear, perhaps, of what your role and the limits of your role is. You want to speak to that for a moment? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is an important point, and I'm glad you brought it up, because uh, we're directly responsive to the members through the MEC. And so the MEC is comprised of the representatives in your local uh, executive council. So again, they're going to come together, make the decisions that then drive our process at the table. We don't keep them in the dark. We're very open and transparent about what we're doing and making sure that we are staying on track with what it is that you want us to do. So if you had your own opinion about how things went, you couldn't take the company's negotiating committee aside and make a deal? That's not how this works. So this is a representative organization. 
And uh, that's one of the big reasons that the three of us on the negotiating committee are here is because we really think it's important for us to advocate on the pilot's behalf and not just go out and pursue our own agendas. And uh, that's something that we're all here to do and to make sure that uh, we're maintaining as we go through this process. Yeah, I think that's a really important part and something that makes our process unique. Something I tell the new hires when I get a chance to see them is make sure you know who your block rep is because they are the direct connection between you and what happens at your union, both at the local level and at even the national level. So that's that really matters. That's why it's important to let your rep know what you want out of this next contract. And you mentioned that we're gonna have, besides the reps, we, We'll also have a survey that pilots can fill out to get their their voice known. Yeah, that's right. And uh, it'll be open for, uh, I think it's going to be four weeks is what we're looking at right now, starting at the beginning of May. That's right. And I'll just like to point out, too, that it's there's a lot of ways that we gather information from the pilot group. And when we do surveys, it's really important that we have a high turnout for that to make sure that there's... Uh, we have some confidence that the data we're gathering represents the whole group, not just a, a vocal minority. Chris, if you could distill your approach to these negotiations for you and your committee, what would that be? Yeah, I know for at least me personally, when I went to the uh, interview to the MEC for this position, that there were a few things that I told them that would be important for me to do if I was going to be in this position. and. They uh, then elected me based on those things, at least partially. So a few of them here, and I don't want to speak for my uh, committee as far as how the interview went, but I, I know we're all on the same page with this now as far as how we plan to approach the negotiations. So the first thing is integrity. Uh, it's hard to negotiate anything unless there's a basis for trust. So that is really important to us. So when you say integrity, you mean trust that... Is, is that how you define We're going to do what we say we're going to do, right? We're not going to be BSing anybody. Right. You know, uh, we're true to our word. And um, I think that's a minimum expectation when you're dealing with anybody. So that shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. And I think uh, just having worked with you now for several months, it, my impression is you mean that for both what you're telling the pilots and also what you're telling the company, that you're not going to play games with them and that if they can trust what you tell them. Absolutely. When I say something, it has the weight of my, uh, you know, belief and intentions behind it. So mm -hmm. absolutely true. Second thing that's important is transparency. And uh, really that's to make sure that we have the accountability uh, to the pilots to make sure that they know that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And also so that way they're able to provide input when needed. Mm -hmm. And when on transparency, the flesh that out a little bit because I think there's there's um, people have a different idea maybe of what we mean when we say transparency so it's um, flesh that out a little bit yeah so transparency is just letting you know what we're doing and what we're negotiating mm -hmm. so we're not gonna be doing any backroom deals or anything along those lines uh, again, we're going to be doing surveys and polls for a reason, so we want to make sure that you know that it's your interests at the table that are being represented. That's great. So the pilots can expect some feedback about what's going on. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I would say that 
it that doesn't mean that we will publish every single word that occurs at the negotiating table. It's not like the transparency isn't like there's a operating theater that people can watch what's happening. That there 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 is some privacy in that process. Yeah, and that goes to building trust too with a company in order to be able to get deals across the table. So when we're negotiating in good faith, which is the third tenet, <laughs> is mm-hmm. uh, uh, we need to make sure that when we say something to them, and especially for brainstorming or doing things along those lines, that we're not throwing that out there for everybody. But uh, it is important for us that the pilots know at least what kinds of things we're negotiating and you know, let them know what we're talking about. Those kinds of things are uh, essential. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, the worst thing you can do is, you know, several months down the road, plop down a giant new tentative agreement, and everyone's wondering, well, how did this get here? Right, and we'll keep the pilots updated throughout the process on a regular basis. Um, we're trying to get that flow started now. Hopefully, you guys have been seeing our emails, and we'll continue that as we uh, as we move on. So, what I would expect people to do is to uh, think about what's important to them right now and then write it down and as you go through this process there's going to be a lot of distractions and things coming across the table or things you're hearing from other sources but at the end of the day when you sit down and look at the contract that you're presented with to vote you need to make a decision on whether to vote yes or no and I would encourage you to go back and reference those notes you take at the beginning of the process because while the Conditions on the outside might change. What's not going to change is the uh, market that we're in for pilots. The contracts that other uh, pilots have negotiated aren't going to decrease or get worse, right? If you're looking at uh, what's coming down the road, we've got you know United, American, and Delta all lined up ahead of us. So if anything, I would expect pilot contracts to get better and the uh, market to continue to tighten up. So keep your expectations high and. Uh, just know that we'll be certainly advocating your issues on your behalf very strongly. I think a frustration many pilots had with the JCBA was that it went to arbitration and they really didn't feel like they had a say and therefore not much ownership in the current contract. Will this one be different? This negotiation presents a unique opportunity that was denied us in the JCBA mm-hmm. and that the members will get to ratify this agreement. Yeah, absolutely. The pilots will certainly have an opportunity to vote on this contract. There is no required arbitration backstop. And I'll be bold enough to say that this MEC is uh, very unlikely to agree to any arbitration on the back end of this. I would agree with that. Yeah, and don't even get me started about the fact that the JCBA did not have to go to arbitration. Let's all remember that. So... As far as that goes, I think that at the end of the day, the pilots will have an opportunity to uh, let their voice be heard and make sure that this contract is in line with what they expect. So when you take a look at this contract at the end of the day, I wouldn't look backwards and see if we patched up things appropriately. I would take a look around at the rest of the industry. You know, we have a contract comparison. You can get a good idea where we're at there and uh, make sure that we're in line with where you expect us to be. And to reiterate, we'll be negotiating under normal Section 6 rules of the Railway Labor Act, which don't require arbitration. 
although there is a an opportunity to enter into arbitration only if both parties agree. Either party can say no, and then that's not the backstop. The backstop becomes self-help, which is uh, could be a whole nother podcast, so we'll deal with that later. But I think what I really want pilots to understand is you have a voice, you have a vote, and it is up to you to get the contract that we deserve. Yeah, and the RLA process, is a lot of steps in it. We already sent out one communication to kind of explain the broad overview. And as we go through the process, we'll continue to uh, keep you all informed on where we are in the RLA process and let you know where, what we are looking at moving forward. Right, and if anybody missed those, you can find them on our website, which is alaskapilots.org. There's those communications and also a flow chart to see how that process works. Speaking of where we are, management agreed to our request to open early. So that puts us in the beginning of openers, essentially. What can we expect to see once you get started in those negotiations? Oh, as we get started, we're going to initially focus on just the administrative items. And that's the normal pace of negotiations anyway. Kind of gives you an opportunity to build a rapport with the other side and start working through issues and get at a pace and a tempo together before you start tackling more difficult problems. I, I, you know, I think I hear from pilots that there, there seem to be some pretty common ideas about the, the things that need to be fixed and in, improved in our contract. Why not start with those right out of the gate? We want to make sure that we get your input on the surveys and the polls before we start to address those issues. While we have a pretty good idea where you all probably are, we want to make certain that we're definitely following the direction you want us to go before we start tackling those. Along the way, we're certainly making sure that we're doing our due diligence to be prepared on those big issues, doing a lot of studying, research, uh, crosstalk with other pilot unions to make sure that when we get to that position that whatever direction you give us that we can go full steam ahead. And I was going to say to that, uh, you, you kind of introduced it and I think I'm comfortable with you discussing it. What have you done specifically uh, a couple of times now to interact with other pilot unions to uh, be aware of the issues before we actually negotiate them? Yeah, particularly with scheduling, uh, we've had a couple roundtables with other pilot unions. So the last one we went to was uh, hosted by SWAPA and also had uh, JetBlue and American there. It's really well organized, had breakout sessions, were able to compare a lot of notes on how the different scheduling sections work. Also, we've had the opportunity to meet with other negotiating committees and uh, we'll have an opportunity to do that again coming up in June. Yeah, I, I certainly don't think we're burying the lead when we say that scheduling will be a topic of discussion in this next negotiating cycle. And I was there for the, the first roundtable down in Dallas, and I can't uh, emphasize enough how productive those conversations are to discover what's best practices and what other airlines have been happy with and, and what seems to be working. It makes us uh, a lot smarter, and it's yet another reason that we're kind of uh, starting administratively, I guess, if you will, with the smaller items. Yeah, absolutely. And it's good to hear not only what works for people, but what doesn't. And I think, you know, we have a lot of uh, things that we've been able to kind of get on the same page with across the contract and other sections and scheduling might be kind of the last frontier where everyone's still doing their own thing. So the more we talk, the more we can develop best practices and determine um, what's the best way forward. 
that instills confidence. Everybody I've ever told that to is like, oh, we're talking to other airlines. Yeah. So, no, I think that's perfect. Yeah. Chris, I think the MEC elected three really qualified guys whose heart is in the right place about the negotiating. Um, but that's not the whole team. What other resources are available to us as we negotiate this next contract? Yeah, I already mentioned the other committees just within our local ALPA office here, but we also get a lot of support from Apple National. So Bruce York is the chief negotiator for ALPA, and he's providing a lot of guidance and will be helping to guide our process uh, through the entire way. He's heavily invested in this. We also have a lot of support from uh, the ENFA staff over at ALPA, so economic and financial analysis and they help us do a lot of uh, costing and understand the environment in which we're negotiating and the performance of Alaska Airlines. Yeah, those all of those resources are really amazing. I, 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 yeah, I've had this question asked to me often, and the uh, what I like to ask guys who people my age who old enough to remember the yellow pages. You can't open up the phone book and look for a professional negotiator for airlines. That that doesn't really exist. So what would you want out of someone that's aiding you in that negotiation? And you definitely want a lawyer, right? But not just any lawyer, you want someone who is knowledgeable about airline contracts and someone who's well-versed in the Railway Labor Act, uh, someone who knows the um, National Mediation Board, the people who are in it. And uh, this lawyer you mentioned, Bruce York, is a perfect example of that, right? He's been in this 40 years, I think. has been negotiating contracts for 40 years, and 30 years of that have been spent negotiating on behalf of airlines. So he has well over uh, 1,000 contracts under his belt. And the bulk of his work is going from negotiating one Alpha Pilot contract right into negotiating another Alpha Pilot contract. He is an expert in that specialty. And then uh, I think you bring in the fact that uh, equally important is to have uh, good local contract knowledge and a contractual historian, and that's what we have in our, our local legal team, too, with uh, David Hanna, who's been here for the last uh, many contracts and, and will be at the table as well as Bruce to help refine our goals and our vision. Yeah, and I think you know it's a fair question people ask sometimes, why do we send pilots to do this negotiating work? And personally, I think you want someone at that table that's going to have to live under the contract. Yeah, and that's really how it works across any profession. If uh, they're out to negotiate a contract with their employer, that the people that actually do the work are the ones that are going to be negotiating the contract because they understand the context and what's important to them and are able to communicate uh, effectively uh, what their particular issues are and how the group that they're representing feels. So really having that uh, lawyer support behind us just helps you kind of codify that and focus it and making sure that the process behind the issues that we're trying to uh, push across get reinforced and moved along efficiently. You've mentioned that ideally we'll have this done by the amendable date. How realistic do you think that is? Well, our whole preparation is built around having it done by the amendable date. And that's why we chose that early May 13th. Uh, date to get started. So there's some really big issues that we need to address. In order to do so, the company needs to come to the table early and address those issues in good faith. And if we get that started and moving along, then I think uh, we're going to be able to meet that 
timeline. Yeah, I think this is fully achievable. We have the resources and we've done the preparation to be able to have those discussions. Uh, key to that success for achieving that, uh, the TA or a contract on the amendable date really is going to be that on company resources and company preparation. They've talked about wanting it done by that date, but there are a, a number of players on the company side who would have to come to the table on a very regular basis to get it done. So really, uh, the ball's in their court. If they want it done by that date, it's achievable, but it will uh, depend upon upon their willingness and their work ethic. All right. Well, thanks for coming in today, you guys. Yeah, you know, I'm really humbled to be able to serve this pilot group. And um, once this is all over, I'm looking forward to just going back to the line. So I really am uh, I'm motivated and excited to be here to represent you all. But um, Really, after this contract's over, this is uh, this is my main goal: is just to push this through for for you guys and to represent you, and then call it a day. My final thought would be that even though we have uh, so many of the right resources in place, when you talk about the MEC that works so well together, the negotiating committee that works well together, and everybody who's working hard within this office, that uh, it can't be overemphasized enough that the success of this negotiating cycle and this contract depends upon uh, the pilots. And we, we need the pilots to be engaged. We need you to take the surveys. We need you to study the contract comparison and be prepared to provide your reps the feedback that they need to advocate on your behalf. So this is just uh, the start of a long process and uh, its success really does depend upon you. You've been listening to an Alaska MEC podcast. I'm your host, Captain David Campbell.